0: Welcome to the Baseline Community Church Podcast. Well, it's good to see, honestly, at the beginning here, we weren't sure if anybody was going to show up today at church, but it's so good to see you all here. I know there's a handful outside. It's just such a weird time with... um, uh, the, it's so cold. It's and then the, the virus is expanding, seemingly. But thank you for being here today. And it it's is it it's hard for me when I have been writing 2022 a little bit, and it's like how did this happen? That is 2022. I mean, it feels like it was just yesterday we were celebrating Y2K, and we all thought the world was going to end, and here we are <laughs> 22 years later, and uh, it, we just are going so. There's just something about a new year, though, that's a good time. And, um, you know, it gets you thinking about, God, I'm, I'm going to live differently. I'm going to, things are going to be different than this next year. And for whatever reason, moving from December 31st to January 1st just kind of gets that thing. Okay, I'm going to be different. I'm, you know, I'm going I'm to exercise more. I'm going to eat better, right? I'm going to get more sleep. I'm going to read more, watch less TV, um, all those sort of things. going to get on a budget. I'm going to clean the garage. I'm going to put the file, you know, all those papers that are all over I'm gonna file. But it gives you this idea that, okay, it's a, kind of like a new start. Are there any golfers out there? I know there are a few. Yeah, I know a few. Danny, you're a golfer. No, 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 you're a golfer. I've, I've always wondered why they have a front nine and a back nine. And I think it's because You can play really terrible on the first nine holes, and you make what's called the turn, and now you're on the back nine. And you even turn the scorecard over, and it's got no numbers on it, and it's like it's all a brand new start. I can just start brand new. There's something about turning that scorecard over that says, no matter how poorly I played the first nine holes, I've got some hope for the nine holes that are ahead of me. And it is the back nine. You know, the ancient, uh, nation of Israel, if they had a scorecard, there would be a lot of ups and downs on the, for the nation of Israel. There were times when they really followed after Yahweh well, and they flourished as a, a nation. Then there were times where they did not follow him very well, and he, he would, they would find themselves in really terrible situations. And um, one of the situations they found themselves in was that they had um, basically been taken over by the nation of Babylon. And they were in what's called exile. People had been from Jerusalem and uh, Judea and Israel had been taken away to different countries. And that's where they found themselves. And their nation had been destroyed. Their temple had been destroyed. And a prophet named Isaiah comes along at this time. And here's what Isaiah says to them, to these people in that situation. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 16. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and the reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. What he does is he reminds the people, this is who I am and this is what I have done. And he's looking back at the most amazing time in the nation of Israel. It's called the Exodus, a time when they were in uh, Egypt. They were under, they were slaves, basically, in Egypt. And the Lord, we know this, sends Moses, and Moses brings them out. And this is, he's reminding them, this is who I am. I am the God who made this Exodus happen. This is who I am to this nation, to these people that are now in exile again. This is how he describes himself as the one who defeated this Egyptian army. But this is what he says to the people now. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do not, you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the, the wasteland. He says, hey, don't think about the exodus. As great as that was, as powerful as I showed myself to you then, he says, don't, that's not what you're supposed to be thinking about. Don't think about what has happened in the past. He says, I am doing something new. It's a new time. It's a new day. That God is dynamic, that he does not stay static, that he continues. He's the God who creates. He's the God who builds. He's a God who transforms. He's a God who brings change. That this is what God's character is like. And so he says to them, as, as great as the Exodus was, as much as you'd like to continue to think about that, forget about that. He goes, I am going to do something totally new in this time. And, and throughout the Bible, we, we, we see lots and lots of people who, um, who are called to do something different, Right? All the time, people are called to do something different. Um, uh, Right, Noah, hey, Noah, go build a boat. Um, Abraham, leave the town where you are and move to someplace where you don't even know where you're going. Moses, hey, go back to where you're wanted as a fugitive to lead the people out. Deborah, Deborah, we want you to now lead the people as a judge and, and get rid of this nation that's come in. David, you're no longer going to be a shepherd. You're going to be a king. Right? Esther, this is the time for you in this where you are. Uh, Peter, no longer are you going to be a fisherman. You're going to follow after Jesus and be a disciple. Paul, no longer will you be a Pharisee. You will be the one who writes basically the New Testament. You're the one who starts the church. God is a God who calls people to change. And we have to believe that that God continues to call us to be people who change. That's who he is. He's a God who brings change. So in Isaiah 43, there's a few things that God says to those people that I think are great for us. The first thing is this. You have to leave behind the past. He says, forget the former things. That's a really strong statement. Forget that. Forget the exodus, forget what I've done, even forget uh, the way you've fallen, the way that you've not followed after God. We have a tendency to dwell in the past. We have a tendency to want to hold on to the past. We can learn from the past, but we are not meant to dwell there. We can either beat ourselves up about our sins and our failures from the past, or the other thing we can do is we can try to live in the glory days of the past. Both of those things are possibilities for us. We either continuously beat ourselves up about what we've done and how how bad it's been and our failures and our sins and all those things, or we can try to hold on to the past and say, oh, those were the glory days and that's what I want to reach back for. And God says, no, 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 leave both of those behind. And here's what I think it calls us to be. It calls us to be a person of grace. Grace. That that is what we are called to be, is a person of grace. Willing to and able to experience God's forgiveness in our lives. Able to then forgive others because of God's grace in our lives. Even able to leave behind the, the, the glory of the past behind by being a person who experiences and lives by grace. Grace for ourselves, grace for one another, but most of all, experiencing God's grace in our own lives. That is how you can leave behind the past. That's how, in the golfing analogy, you can forget about the first nine. No matter how bad it's been or how good it's been, you're making the turn to be a person of grace. The second thing that the Lord, that I, through Isaiah, says to the people is that To perceive what God is doing, right? He says, see, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? You know, how can we see what God is doing in our midst? I think the first thing we have to realize is that God does not want to hide things from us that this is, our God is not a God who plays sort of hide-and-seek with us. He doesn't want to make it difficult for us to know. He doesn't want to hide his intentions from us. I think too often we are not actually looking to see what he's doing. God wants us to grow in our trust and to have confidence in how he's leading us. That's what God wants to do. He wants us to be people of faith and people of trust and be willing to see and have confidence that we know what God is doing. So, uh, take us, I'm going to, well, I just told us to forget about the past, but I'm going to take us back a little bit. So, here we go. Uh, That's good. Um, So, it was uh, March 3rd, 2020. We, as a staff, had felt like we needed to bring people together for a time of worship and prayer. We had what's called a Renew Night, and that's what we were going to do. There's been rumors and rumblings of this thing called the coronavirus that was happening, was mostly on the East Coast and all that. It caused people to stop buying Corona beer, if you remember back then, right? That's what we thought. So, but they just didn't know what was happening. But beyond just that stuff, we felt as a church, we were kind of stuck. And so we wanted to bring the church together for a time of worship and prayer. And there's a couple of things that happened at that that night, we wanted to come together and, and really pray uh, for God to speak to us. That, that God would speak to our congregation and say, this is what I want to say to you. And the other thing we wanted to do is that we wanted to pray um, for God to fight in the heavenly realms because church work is spiritual work. And those were kind of the two things we wanted to see happen on that Renew Night, March 3rd, 2020. And so uh, Ken Zell took us through an exercise at one point where he asked people to get into groups of three and to just say, okay, what's the Lord speaking to you and encouraging people and people wrote down. And it was really amazing that much of what people heard was really confirmed by the others in their group and all that. And, and there was a whole long list of things that came out of that. But a couple things, there was one said that were, what are the encouragements that God has for our church? And there's a bunch of them, but kind of what it basically said was, Um, hang in there and continue to do the good work that you're doing. Don't give up, was what often was said. That were the encouragements that God was speaking to our church. And then the other side, the second part of that was, what barriers or strongholds are there that the Lord wants to let us know about? And again, there's a whole bunch, a list of those too. But they're kind of three different things. Four were, hey, there's Pride in your church that you need to deal with, you need to experience greater humility. Uh, We're too comfortable, was something that came up a lot. There are cliques in your church, as friendly as we might be at times, there still felt like there were cliques. And another one was don't avoid change. So you got these things. And we really felt like God was speaking to us at that time. Well, then, as you might remember, the pandemic really hit two weeks later, and we shut down services in person. We figured out in a week how to put everything online, um, all that stuff. You, we all remember that. And we've, now we've been in this for 21 months. I admit, I was one of those people that thought, you know what? We'll be back by Easter 2020. You know, we'll be back. I wonder if we should cancel that tent or not, you know? Well, here we are two years later. And lives have been affected. Uh, businesses, jobs have been affected. And churches have been greatly affected. Every church, every pastor I meet with is like, yeah, it's been a really hard two years. And this church is in no, no different. Now, there's a lot of things we could do in that. We could just kind of be angry about it. We could just uh, say, well, uh, we don't have to worry about that. Or we could say, what is God speaking to us through this time? What does he wanna do in our midst? So, so here's a couple things, I, just to let everyone know. In, in the pandemic time, 10 families from our church just moved. Great time to move, sold their house for a lot, Wanted to get out of California, job change, whatever it might be, 10 families, just moved. Another 10 families actually decided to leave the church because of political reasons. Either we were too conservative or too liberal. We have tried really hard to keep this focused on what does Jesus say about things like justice and righteousness. And and some people just felt like, nope, you're doing too much, or nope, you're not doing enough. There's a whole bunch of folks, we don't even know what's happened to them. You might be watching online and we don't know, because nobody ever puts a comment in line. But a whole bunch of folks, and we tried in the beginning as staff and elders to keep in touch with people. But quite honestly, fatigue over time, we just are not really sure where some people are. So it's caused, uh, as you might imagine, it's a huge hit financially for the church. A huge hit in children's ministry, even youth ministry, all of those are not where we would have wanted them to be. But the question is what is God speaking to us? And remember, Isaiah was speaking to a a nation, a people that were in exile, a nation that was defeated, a temple that had been destroyed, and he says, You're going to flourish something's going to happen. Forget about the past. Look for what I'm doing, perceive what I'm doing, and watch it flourish. So it's, what is, the next thing, is he says, is this is what is the flourishing in the new thing, and this is really, honestly, a very exciting place to be. It can be a really difficult place to be, and the people of God were in exile for 70 years in Babylon. But it's a really exciting place to be, too, because we can look and we can see, what is God doing? And he says he's making a way in the desert. He's saying that there will be streams in the wasteland. It's things that are surprising, things that you wouldn't have thought would be there. And so for us, the thing is that we want to plant ourselves where God is at work. We want to take a look at what is happening. We want to take a look at what's happening within us, what's happening outside, and say, God, where are you at work? And we want to plant there. And then we, and he says, allow God's seed to grow in you. It's springing up, right? It takes a while for a seed to grow. And we have to believe that in these last two years, in the years even before that, that God has been planting seeds in us and in our church that are going to spring up, that are going to start growing, that that God is going to do something that we may not understand. and We may not know what it is exactly. But God says, forget the former things, the good, the bad. Perceive what I'm doing now and look for it and watch it. And when it springs up, help it grow. So Jesus also talked about change and how important it is for us to be looking for it and to be ready for it. And he also realized how difficult change is also. In Luke chapter 5, uh, a group of people asked him, hey, why don't your disciples fast like the Pharisees fast and John the Baptist disciples fast? Why don't, why, don't you, why don't your disciples do what they do? And he says, hey... They can't fast while the bridegroom is with them. While I'm with them, they're not, they can't fast. They will fast one day. And then verse 36, he tells them a parable, two parables. No one tears a patch from a new garment and sews it on an old one. If he does, he will have torn the new garment, and the patch from the, old, from the new will not match the old. And then he says, no one pours a new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins the wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined no new wine must be poured into new wineskins and no one after drinking old wine wants the new for he says the old is better I'm gonna look at that wineskins it's it's a little bit of a confusing verse in some ways but here the, the wineskins back there they're made out of goat skin or something like that and and what would happen is when you put the wine into them, the wine would continue to ferment. And so it would expand the, the skin and the, the wine skin that was holding it. And you would keep doing that over time until finally it would get to a place where it had expanded as far as it could. And the older it was there, the drier it would get. It would lose some of its moisture. And so you would get to a point where um, an old wine skin, if you put new wine into it and it expanded, it would explode. So you consistently had to have new wineskins that could be elastic and would continue to to grow. And Jesus says that you must put new wine into new wineskins. And and we have to believe that that God wants to put new wine into us, put his spirit into us, a new spirit. So the question is, what what does it mean for us to be a new wineskin at this time? personally, and corporately as a church. So, I mean, I think it means that we have to be able to expand. We need to be flexible. That, that, that church may look different in the future than it has in the past. And, and this is the really good news of the last couple years, is that we have seen that church can and must be different. It won't always be the same. That's, again, forgetting the past. Here's a couple things I think we've learned. That that church is not a building or a service. For there were months where we could not meet in this room together. That the church truly is a called-out group of people who are there to help one another learn what it means to follow after Jesus Christ and to help others come to know Christ that that is at the heart of what the church is. And we have learned that again through the pandemic. And we have to help each other learn how to grow individually as followers of Jesus, and then to get into smaller groups where you encourage each other in their faith. That, That that is what the church has to be about. And that there are creative ways to be the church beyond just meeting on a Sunday morning. And that by doing live stream, by doing all of that stuff, that there are ways that you can expand your reach. That you can actually continue to build community in different ways. So the the core group that Nancy and I are a part of has literally met every Wednesday, except for two times in the summer and two times around Christmas, For the last two years but we've only met in person a handful of times now I get it zoom is not great for everybody it's not the same as being together but our connection with one another has grown in these two years by being there every Wednesday or now it's Thursdays because we know what's going on in each other's lives we know how we can pray for each other we know how to support one another That can happen and should happen and needs to happen outside of Sunday mornings, And it can happen very creatively. And here's the thing. Every church, that's a big statement. I'll say most churches, just about every church coming out of the pandemic, needs to think of themselves as a church plant. What I mean by that is that there is a lot of room in churches these days. There's a lot of people that are not going to church anymore. There's a lot of people that have never been in church. And this is the exciting part of this, I believe, that we can think of ourselves as a church plant, as a place where people who are far away from God can come to meet him. And that is a heart of what the church has to be about. Has to be about. It cannot be about just looking inward. It cannot be just about, hey, I'm helping ourselves. It has to be about helping those that are far away from God come to know God. And that's exciting. Hey, I think if, if, if this place was all filled, if we were all that, we'd feel really comfortable. Churches should feel uncomfortable right now, and that's good. Because we need to continue to help people come to know Jesus. As a church, we often think that we exist for ourselves, but the truth is that we exist for others. And this gets us back to the root of what it means to be a church. I think it's exciting. I think it's going it's to be amazing to see what God does. Now, here's the thing. I don't know if you caught this, but the end of this little section that where Jesus in Luke 5 says this, he says, um, and no one after drinking old wine wants the new, for he says the old is better. I'm thinking, hey, Jesus, that's a really interesting way to end that parable. Because you're talking about how we need to have new wine. And you're saying, no, people don't want new wine. People like the old wine. And Jesus knows that change is difficult. And he knows that we are all resistant to change. We don't like it. We we like things to stay how it is. And that's what that verse means. He goes, yeah, I get it. People, you you taste the new wine? now. you're like, oh, I like the old wine better. Church changes? You're like, oh, I like church the way it was before. Jesus understands. So the question really for us is, are we going to be willing to change? Are we going to be willing to forget about the former things? Are we going to be looking for what God is doing? And how will we prepare ourselves and our church to be a new wineskin for what Jesus wants to do this next year in us? So the last thing I want to leave you with, and this is where I'll end, and then we'll take communion. I should have told people at home that we're doing communion, but we are. The last thing I want to do, and I did this last week, if you watched, I want to leave you with hope. That, that's, this is what we need more than anything is hope. And hope is the joyous anticipation of good that is not yet here or is unseen. And I want to give you hope that God is up to something really good even though it's been a really hard two years, even though we may have struggled individually, even though we may have struggled as a church, that God is up to something good and I want to give you hope. And again, this quote from Henry Nouwen, I have found it very important to let go of my wishes and instead to live in hope. Such a strong statement. So important. When I choose to let go of my sometimes petty and superficial wishes and trust that my life is precious and meaningful in the eyes of God, something really new, something beyond my own expectations, begins to happen for me. Isn't that awesome? That I trust that my life is precious and meaningful in the eyes of God, that He really cares about me, that He's not going to leave me behind, that I can trust him even though I don't understand what's happening, even though I liked it the way it was before, that he's leading into something new, I can trust him. We can trust him. And then finally he says, to wait with openness and trust is an enormously radical attitude toward life. It is choosing to hope that something is happening for us that is far beyond our own imaginings. It is giving up control over the future and letting God define our life. It is living with the conviction that God molds us in love, upholds us in tenderness, and moves us away from the sources of our fear. So good. God molds us in love. (laughs) But that's how he shapes us, that's how he brings changes to our life. He holds us in tenderness, and he moves us away from the sources of fear. All those things we want to hold on to, all those things are holding on to us. Jesus says, nope, forget the former things. I'm doing a new thing. Look for it. See what happens. So be looking for the new wine that Jesus wants to pour into your heart and soul. Be prepared for it. It'll be uncomfortable. It might bring about some change that you didn't want or anticipate, something that you don't really even like. And then the other thing is be looking for what Jesus wants to do in this church. Be looking for the, the new wine that he's going to put into our lives. So one of the things we're going to do is starting next week, the sermon series is um, going to be called Life Without Lack, and it's a study of Psalm 23, and there's a book that Dallas Willard has written, and we're not going to be following the book for our sermon series, but I would really encourage anybody that would like, well, everybody, I encourage everybody to get the book and just read it along, because Dallas has some incredible insights into Psalm 23. And it's only as we get to know God as he really is, as a shepherd who provides everything for us, that we can live a life without lack and have the fullness of what God wants to have for us. So I know it's been a couple tough years, and we honestly don't know what the next two years look like. But I believe God is up to something new. I believe that God wants to pour new wine into us and new wine into our church. And I just encourage you to look for it. Look for what God's doing. Thank you for joining us. For more information about Baseline Community Church, please go to BaselineCC.com.